0: Welcome. My name is Eddie Arrieta. This is Fulfilling Work Life. We intend to talk to leaders, professionals, remoters, human beings from all around the world who share with us their knowledge. Join me in this daily journey. We are life uh, people of the universe. And And I say the universe because probably, you know, who knows? Who knows? Nobody really knows, Corinne. Thank you so much for joining us uh, today. I'm I'm just going to quickly let everyone know that this is Fulfilling Work Life, episode 23 with Corinne Tan from Psych Insights. Welcome.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: That is fantastic. And thank you so much. You, you seem to have a lot of experience with uh, the broadcasting world. Your voice is like the the radio voice, which is great. This will be the first time we will have proper audio uh, oh, for our time. show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and you, you mentioned you've done this uh, uh, quite a few times before, right? Yeah, um, I, I mean broadcasting, interviews, and all of that. Why well, don't you to tell us a little bit about that?
1: Definitely. So my name's Karine Tan. I'm 20 years old. I graduated from UCLA literally last month. Um, technically, in two and a half years, but we can go into that later. Before I did, um, before I did entrepreneurship, really, I joined UCLA intending to do film. I was doing broadcasting for my high school and I was in charge of the newscast and so we made probably like 75 videos telling kids like you have a football game today there's a spirit day tomorrow kind of thing um, and just constantly being on front of the camera so I'm very very um, a lot of people hate hearing their voice on video it's been like beaten into me I, I can't like hide from it now so we're we're very comfortable
0: yeah. and I think I think most people would would try to think like okay that's it does it always does it eventually go away that kind of like surprise when you hear your own voice I, I i you know i i like it you know when you have the headset and you can hear your own voice i kind of like, yeah. like to play with it uh, that 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 i miss because the, the this 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 airpods don't don't allow you to do that but yeah. eventually i'll probably get it it's pretty good uh, i can tell you it sounds really well from this oh. side uh, awesome. so that is fantastic um, so you are 20 years old uh, yes. Thanks for making us all feel really old, <laughs> uh, but it's, but it is amazing. I mean, the, 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 world has changed this morning. In fact, I was reading an article that was talking about the next revolution wow. and the title was multimillion dollar uh, teenagers and teenage <laughs> entrepreneurs. And I was like, it, it is great because it, it is today. And we all have to realize that it is today much, much, much easier to get stuff done than oh, it definitely. was before and it needs to get easier I mean that's what automation is going to do yeah. these things have to become easier over time so why don't you tell us a little bit about your you know entrepreneurial journey I know it has just almost gotten started but how did it come about how did how did it click into you that you could be an entrepreneur and you get started so early in your life
1: yeah I think that's a really good question I think in order to start properly we have to start with my parents and so I'm fifth generation Chinese my dad is fourth my mom, technically a second. If you average it, I guess it's three and a half. But my dad has always been super entrepreneurial. I believe in college, he wanted to drop out so he can open up his flower stand by the road properly. He was selling flowers um, with my mom. Um, After that, I think they had a gig in the mall where they were engraving like knives, I think like it was just like an engraving shop or something that they decided, hey, let's do this. There was like a gig at like a bartending school. They went to do like bartending so they could open up their own bar or something. It's just they've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, At the end today, they're doing executive recruiting. They started their own business exactly like when I was born. And so from the get go, I've always seen them like hustling. I've seen them working really hard and I've seen the entrepreneurship could actually pay off. Um, And thankfully, they've just been endlessly supportive. As a matter of fact, I originally wanted to, after the whole film gig ended, I wanted to become a writer. And my mom was like, you need something practical. So I chose entrepreneurship, which is equally as risky. Um, Thankfully, UCLA has an entrepreneurship minor. Um, I used to go in thinking that entrepreneurship was what my dad was doing, opening up like a flower stand by the road, pulling yourself up by the, the bootstraps and such. But entrepreneurship is a skill. It can be taught. And at UCLA, they just have an excellent program through UCLA Anderson. And so I took several management classes. They taught us how to pitch, how to raise venture funding, how to write a business model. And these skills have really, really helped when it comes to psych insights. Um, I met my co founders. I met Andrew um, at LA Hacks, the largest hackathon in basically the US. And we were both running marketing. And then after LA Hacks finished, he was like, hey, I'm working on this startup. Um, Would you want to meet Sid, my other co founder? um and i was like i i'm i'm still an english major i don't really know like besides marketing how much i could contribute and then we just hit it off from there and we're working on at first it was basically like analyze text and get personality and i just saw so many applications for that right now we're applying it to remote work and it's really hitting off so yeah that's kind of a long long story short it starts with the parents and i took a bunch of classes and now i'm here
0: and and it's 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 what it did would usually be it took me a while to kind of like really see a lot of myself <laughs> Uh, in my parents or see a lot of my parents in me, I guess, yeah. because they, they were first. Um, but uh, I, I'm really glad uh, that, that you also recognize kind of like your heritage and where you come from, yeah. because I think for people's journeys and, and making what you do fulfilling for yourself, it, e- it is part of what it is. And, exactly. and of course, I have to say that is one of the first steps that you have to take. Uh, you always have to remember where you come from. Mm-hmm. And in the past episodes of Fulfilling Work Life, we have have discussed um, the importance of not uh, throwing or casting aside your, all of your experiences, every single one of your experiences uh, uh, you know, help you, be who you are. And um, in terms of who you are today, you know, in that entrepreneurial journey, what what sort of role do you think you play in 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 the team? And what sort of, like, what do you think you are going to be uh, in, in the next few years?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that's a great question. Sorry I was moving so much. I'm trying to fight the sunrise right now <laughs> that's coming up. Um, it's
0: okay. You should embrace it. Embrace, <laughs> embrace it. Embrace the
1: sunlight. Um, natural lighting is the best lighting after all. Um, so my role with Psych, I do believe, First off, I'm the only non-technical person on the team. Both of them are CS majors. Sid runs backend, and Andrew runs front end. Um, and they're just so talented. Both of them are Kleiner Perkins fellows. They take care of all of our tech, essentially, um, which is really important because we're a SaaS company. For me, I run marketing and outreach mostly. We also, I'm all hands on deck when it comes to business development. I've written business models for the company for competitions and such, and. While SID handles a lot of pitching, I handle like a lot of these events, essentially, um, and just really try to create a brand presence if, like, for early on if we can. Um, I will say that in the beginning, there was a lot of imposter syndrome, just because, I mean, I'm, I'm a young kid doing enterprise. I, I like feel like I'm the only non-technical person. I'm an English major. It's not like I'm contributing lines of code to the database or anything. And so for probably for at least six months, I was wondering, like, do I actually belong here? Like, are they going to wake? Are the boys going to wake up one day and realize like, hey, actually, like, maybe (laughs) maybe we don't really need Kareen because like she's just writing social media posts and most people can do that. But I think what really helped was just how they just constantly reminded me like, hey, Kareen, how do you spell this word or like how do you write this properly? And a lot of entrepreneurship is communication. So that's where my English degree came into kick. It was the communication. It's being able to speak and share yourself um, in a way that's both authentic and also like coherent, I would say, and just being able to like share your story. A lot of pitching, it's essentially just sharing your story with the world. So that's that's where my background, I feel like, plays a lot. And I think continuing on, to be perfectly honest, I really don't know. Um, with all entrepreneurship ventures, it's there's risk involved. I do know that whatever happens though, I want to build Um, I wanna build projects that help the world grow if that's in the future of work, if that's in a slightly different space. And I also know that I want to work with Sid and Andrew. I mean, they're the best team ever. We have such a great team chemistry. And so if this doesn't work, likely the next thing I would do is turn around and try to build something else with those guys
0: and that is that is awesome because no, nobody starts a business or an idea thinking it's going to fail Yeah. You first start thinking it's, it is not going to fail um, so I want to I want to give a, a huge shout out to everyone who has joined us uh, through uh, Zoom for everyone also that has joined us um, on Facebook Live those that are going to watch it on YouTube those that will listen to the podcast thank you so much for uh, attending thank you so much for uh, putting your questions uh, as soon as you have any questions please be able to put them in there um, Corinne I want to I want to dig a little bit deeper into what you just have mentioned about crafting a story uh, and telling your story, because I do think, um, and I have to agree with you, that it's very, very important that whoever is uh, in a team, um, you know, knows what the story is about. And and we've called it throughout the years, many different things. In fact, it took me so long to really understand these whole concepts about like mission, vision, values. And I'm like, what are you, this was just a way to categorize something that we all know very deep if you are working on something that idea has to trigger something inside and i have to be very honest what really caught my attention about psych insights is when you were talking about leading with empathy and and i was like okay i really want to know what this story is about because the answer is really gonna determine um what the story that you guys have been crafting looks like. So why don't you tell us a little bit about about that? And, and if you want to dig deeper into what the mission is for the business, I'll be super happy to hear it.
1: Okay. Um, I think there's a lot of questions there, so I'm going to break them down into parts. First off, when it comes Please. to... It, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when it comes to coming up with a story and really being true to yourself, I think it really starts with values and it also starts with roots, like you said. And so it really... For me my parents are executive recruiters i've always been super passionate about people sid has been doing entrepreneur enterprise software at the very least since i believe high school and andrew also ran his own business in high school as well and um i think it was a coding um like a coding tutoring company and there's always just been that kind of our story is that we've always been working remotely like my very first job was a year-long gig at a e-learning company for english tutoring um (coughs) excuse me for that I realized that remote work processes, if you just try to say, like, we're going remote um, and you have, like, a bunch of, like, ICs and you just give them an instruction once a week, for the IC, it's extremely isolating. If you don't have any, like, culture practices in place, you start to feel like you're just kind of like a cog almost um, and that you aren't really part of a team. Andrew and Sid felt the exact same way. Sid, one of his startup ventures actually failed because of failed remote communication. And so for us, it kind of comes from a place of, like, almost anger, like almost like a, oh, like that did not feel good. How do we make this better? The problem isn't just that remote work can fail. It's that it leaves you feeling isolated. It leaves you feeling alone. And so that's really where the empathy portion came. And we found that even with, um, especially with COVID-19, empathy is more important than ever. We can't just expect that the world will return to normal after all this is over. And being that we're all, this isn't necessarily remote work. This is forced work from home, essentially. Usually remote work has a lot more freedom and there's a lot more balance. Um, but when you have these extenuating circumstances, the only way to really make things normal and to really make things okay is to lead with empathy and to really have that established in the culture, that it's okay to tell um, your manager that it's, you're not okay. It's okay to like for managers to cross that kind of professional line and just ask like, how is a family and how are you doing and really what's going on and having those two sides meet is really when you start getting better, not only better leadership practices, but people are just more productive when they feel like they're part of a team. And so that's our mission at psych insights to build better relationships among remote teams. Um, and that's, it came from a place of just not feeling like we belonged in our own remote teams previously. Um, Did I hit all the questions?
0: I, I, pr- pr- yes, you, yes, you did. Okay, and, lovely. uh, yeah, I, I just made a note here for like journalism feedback because I'm not <laughs> a journalist. So I'm like too many questions at once.
1: No, you're completely Let's,
0: let, let's improve on that one. <laughs> but, uh, but that's great. Uh, th- thank you so much for sharing that in, in, in terms of, you know, how teams could work together remotely. I, I do believe that there are so many challenges, especially now, right? Definitely. Um, from, from the practice that you guys have now, um, have you gotten any feedback from the people that you're trying to help saying, Hey, this is, these are the things that we're finding the hardest. Um, and I'm talking specifically about companies that do never intended to go remote because those that were already working remote. Of course they have challenges, but I'm talking about the ones that never intended to go remote. Have you gotten any insights into, into what's going on there?
1: Yeah. So, First off, I want to say that we, the only reason I know anything about remote work is because we had the help of experts. So before we wrote a single line of code, we interviewed 100 remote managers and ICs. This was back in October 2019, essentially like last October when we decided that we wanted to pivot from like an onboarding tool to remote work. And so to make that pivot, we really wanted to make sure like, hey, we're 19 and 20. We don't know anything about this. Let's approach it with a learner's mindset and really ask big questions. So we asked a bunch of people. Right now we're at 200 interviews. It's literally just been me reaching out on LinkedIn, being like, hi, I'm a student. Please help me. I know nothing about this industry. Can you please like talk to me for 15 minutes? People have been super kind. And from that, we've learned that the transition to work from home has been incredibly challenging. I would believe that when this all started, a lot of companies were in survival mode, trying to figure out how do, how can we serve our our clients essentially in this new world. What do we need to cut costs and such? Unfortunately, there were also a lot of layoffs and such because of COVID nineteen as well. And so companies are scrambling to figure out how to preserve their people and how to protect their people, but also how to survive. Um, we believe, at least at Psyche, that this. starting to mellow out a little bit so for the next month to three months we believe that companies are starting to figure out how to have their communication infrastructure in place their slack their zoom their jira 15 not quite 15.5 just yet maybe but like they have their like baseline infrastructure in place to establish remote work properly now that they have that the question becomes how do i make sure my employees aren't working with burnout how do i make sure that my employees are happy at home With this forced work from home situation. And so we believe in the next month to three months, there's going to be a huge wave of culture of people development and of Team priority where these relationships, the kind of thing that we're working on at psych are going to be the top priority again, where companies are no longer in survival mode and they're really trying to thrive during COVID-19
0: and that's super interesting because I've been I've been consulting a few companies and um, uh, some of the feedback that I've seen and and it's it's super interesting uh, comes almost like not explicitly. It's almost like the implicits that, that you have to be very careful about. And you're talking about, you know, culture and team development. And one of the things that I've liked of one of the companies that I'm consulting is they, they do this uh, pause every day, right? At 2 p.m. Yeah. every day, everyone yeah. just goes. Uh, and for like five to 10 minutes, they do some sort of activity. Oh, yeah. usually like you do a crosswords or you do a, like a mental map uh, activity. It's very cool um but it's always um something that you have to like figure out with your mind Um, out of the and we've done this for the past month so out of the last 20 activities only once or twice i'd say we did something physical which is Mm. we're gonna stretch we're gonna and Mm. it, it came to my mind i said like what is what is it that's missing? Mm-hmm. Because when we're talking about like culture and team mm-hmm. development, of course it's, it's great to 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 you know be able to see you and to do video, but it will never replace the physical contact. And um, I wonder how do you guys think about physical contact in the context of trying to build remote teams?
1: Yeah. So one thing is that Psych Insights we've been targeting fully remote teams that have been doing it long before COVID some as long as, like, 2007, if not earlier. Um, so what we've learned is that physical contact, actually, it is possible to work at a position long-term and never meet your coworkers face-to-face except for the company offsite. site um, So regarding physical space, I think there's two different camps right here, the people who are suddenly remote and other people who are have been remote forever. Um, if we can look to the people who have been remote forever, the way that they solve it is by having... There's... <laughs> Oh my gosh i don't even know where to begin there are two different camps meetings they like meetings and they don't like meetings some people resort to complete asynchronous communication so you don't even see them face to face you don't even see somebody across the camera if they can help it because meetings can be such a time suck and such a mental drain oftentimes if your entire calendar is filled with meetings another camp prioritizes face-to-face time and um not just that but sometimes unstructured face-to-face time where they're getting coffee where they're like being able to like talk about water cooler talk essentially talk outside of work and so technically you don't need that physical um i guess you don't need to be in person in order to get these connections it's just a lot harder you have to be so intentional when it comes to remote work Um, when you're sending a slack message it's not like you can just um a lot of remote workers say, like, it's not like you're just tapping somebody on the shoulder. Slack is built for asynchronous communication. That person may answer it in six hours from now. So if you need something, oftentimes there's that kind of disconnect there that people who aren't used to remote work for a long time struggle with a lot. Um, And I think that's where the physical connection, like, comes in place, that you can't tap somebody on the shoulder. You can't wave to them across the room in the office and just say, like, hey, can you help me out inside or meet me up in the conference room and help me out real quick? And so that's the The intentional communication is how we solve the lack of physicality.
0: Let me ask you a little bit more about uh, all these companies that you are interviewing now. So you said you've done around 200 interviews. Are these mostly companies that um, have been working remotely?
1: Yes. So we've interviewed Buffer, Zapier, um, GitLab, our head of remote, the Darren Murph, head of remote at GitLab, is our key advisor, an equity holding advisor, and so we're super lucky to have him. He's probably the number one remote expert in the world. Um, And so we've been interviewing everybody. If they are fully remote, we've probably interviewed them. Um, It's been a lot of outreach and such, to answer your question, yeah would people
0: think uh, because a lot of the people that watch uh, the show they they are actually not remote workers they yeah. haven't been doing it and they're just trying to explore so okay. it feels to yeah. them like this completely new world how would you characterize uh, um uh, the the culture of remote work or, or uh And I'm going to, I know what my answer is, uh, but I really want to understand how do you see that world? Do you see them very differently to the rest of the companies that are out there or are they very similar?
1: I wouldn't say that they're different, but I would say that they are very, first off, they're very culture first and they're very people first, not saying that other companies aren't, but it really becomes a priority in which everything that they're not investing in an office, they're reinvesting in their people. And so what you really see is a lot of efforts and like, projects made specifically towards cultural development and towards people development, not only learning and development, but literally like different efforts made like office happy hours, um, key offsites, and like kind of hangouts, little hackathons that people host in diff- different like regional areas, sending gifts to their employees. But also like, I know X team, they have an entire program where you have these like competitions with your coworkers. Um, they have an entire platform for it to really create that team feeling even though they're fully distributed across several countries and such. Um, So it's like, ah, I just lost my train of thought, but yeah, to, (laughs) to make the point short, remote work is a very, it's a very inclusive space. It's a very people first space. And it's a very like, it's a very welcoming space for forward thinkers. I'm 20 years old. I can't say that I'm an expert in remote work, but I know a lot because people have just been so welcoming. And it's also, it's a space where, Challenging the norm and trying to recreate and push towards this future of work is very, very encouraged and trying to make work better, more enjoyable and really like living to work rather than working to live is just the attitude when it comes to remote work
0: and i would have to agree i think a big part of like my experience with remote work and and i've been uh, in businesses and co-founded businesses where we are remote friendly right mm-hmm. and remote friendly just means you can work from home two Which three times good. a week it is also good it's and the first step it it, yeah. it 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 is the first step uh, and at the same time it's had it has its own challenges mm-hmm. now when you're talking about like a synchronous uh communications and you know being able to dictate basically when you can work and when yeah. you focus on different things it gives you a lot of accountability and at Definitely. the same time it makes work more enjoyable because you are the one that decides when you want to work on something if you don't work on something it, you don't have the excuse of saying, oh, but you told me to not work on that. Now exactly. you, de- you decide where to work on and, and what, where not to work on things. Uh, but uh, I had a question because you mentioned, you know, Actually, companies that are remote. Yep, yeah, please, sorry, please go. You brought up
1: a really good point. The thing that I missed and the thing that's most important is that remote work with asynchronous is super based on trust. Um, these companies, these managers, the entire team trusts each other that I trust you that you're going to get this done when you're going to get it done and when you say you're going to get it done. And so it's it's that kind of inner team trust that really not only creates results, but also creates a community. Sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to mention that point. Go ahead.
0: No worries. And, and I'm definitely going to go back to that point because I, I want to talk right after the, the point I'm going to make uh, on trust and empathy. But I wanted to ask you, you said the companies that go remote, you've you've, you've of course realized that uh, they, they have a focus on culture <laughs> and people first. What does a a, a good focus on culture and a good focus on people look like or feel like from from the experience and what you have seen?
1: Definitely. So I think a great example is taking TaxJar. So TaxJar has an incredible remote culture. It's run by Darcy Bowles. If Darcy watches this, hello, Darcy. Um, And essentially they have a lot of programming for, programming is an actual like programs and actual plans for making life at home, work at home, enjoyable. And for make they have created an entire documentary series tracking how work from home has opened up opportunities for their employees. They are truly leaders in the space in that they they not only act on remote work practices, but they believe that they can become advocates for them. You hear a lot of remote work advocates like why do you need to advocate for remote work? It's because it's truly transformative. You open up opportunities for a global talent pool, you open up opportunities for people who in rural areas you open up opportunities for mothers and for young families who need to take care of young children and who can't necessarily commute to the office and you just open up the like the entire world and opportunity for people who just want to be in a certain industry but they're not in the key place to do that and so remote work is truly transformative it is truly a movement we like to say and it's oh sorry uh I just got a little question. I even know that that was possible. Um, the organization is called TaxJar. Um, Darcy Bowles runs people at TaxJar, and she does an excellent job. And if you look to TaxJar, they have an excellent culture. A lot of these remote work companies are advocates for remote work, and that they champion it. GitLab has their entire manual that is available for everybody to see um, about remote work and how they run remote work practices. Um, I believe. Oh, the name is top Tool, also has an, like an excellent remote work handbook. So looking to these experts, we can see how to not only run remote work effectively, but how to really make remote work the core value of your company. Um, yeah. Sorry, I lost my train of thought a little bit again.
0: <laughs> no, no worries, no worries. That happens to me all the time. But it's <laughs> it's when 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 you're talking about something that you're passionate about, what you when do you end up doing is that you take on parts of the huge conversation yeah. that is your entire life, uh, which is great as well. Uh, but really I wanted gorgeous. to really focus on now on the idea of empathy and trust, um, because I I agree with you that trust is the beginning of all, and and I think the moments of my life, when I've felt uh, unpleasant and I've felt unhappy, when I felt unfulfilled with what I'm doing um, in my personal life, in my professional life, uh, in my entrepreneurial life, is because there hasn't or I haven't felt uh, that level of trust, mm-hmm. right? And trust goes goes two ways. And, and I think where there is no trust, it's very difficult to find empathy. Um, so, I wanted to understand and uh, how, how do you see that? And how do you see that uh, from from the perspective of, of of the business that you're running now?
1: Yeah. So to answer the first question, you're completely right. When you don't have trust, you lose what a lot of our interviewees have said or have called psychological safety. And so when you don't feel trust, you don't feel like you are trusted and you don't feel like you have all the information. You don't feel like you can do your job, essentially, because you're constantly trying to scramble to either prove yourself or to like I don't know, there's kind of, it's just, it can become really toxic. When you have that trust, however, and when you have that, uh, uh, sorry, (laughs) I get distracted by this little chat box. Um, Taxjar is spelled T-A-X-J-A, (laughs) taxjar. I'll just type it up right there. Okay. So when you have this trust, you have the ability to collaborate. And when you have the ability to collaborate, and when you can really trust your team, that's when you start making really great not only projects but and results, but just you can really make, start making change and really start moving the needle where you need to move it. And teams that trust one another are naturally more productive or naturally happier and just work a lot better. Um, as for how that ties to what we're doing, I realized I never introduced what Psych Insights does. Psych Insights is a SaaS company that's making tools for remote teams. Our very first tool is called Kona, it's a Slack bot that analyzes how you can communicate on public Slack channels and delivers work style insights so your entire team can understand exactly how you like to work and adapt to one another essentially. Um, If you've ever heard of a work with me guide, it's common practice with these remote teams to write entire documents of this is how I like to be communicated with. This is how I like to run meetings. Please write an agenda before it said meeting. Um, This is like, these are even like gifts that you can get me for my birthday. These are ways that I like to treat myself. This is, these are pictures of my family, my dog, they share everything because transparency is huge among remote culture. And so what we're trying to do at psych is make these work with me guides, which normally take two, to three hours to write. Like you can create them in about five minutes and not only do they, are they created, but they're widely adopted because we take those little insights and we deliver them in context. If you're a manager and you're about to give feedback, a little insight will pop up being like, Hey, like this is how this person likes to receive feedback. <laughs> yeah. i like to move my hands a lot. If you have a, like a uh, one-on-one with your IC, you can have a calendar notification pop up saying like, these are these persons meeting insights, don't forget. And so from our current customers, we have 21 pilots actually as of yesterday and four paying customers. What we've learned is that you can actually, people love it because you can prep for meetings really, really fast. You can learn about your coworkers. You can onboard new employees just like that. And just really understand your team. As well as you need to, and not have to spend hours on a Zoom call trying to pick apart all these kind of awkward questions. We really guide culture, and the idea is to become Kona the dog. It's a little dog. Will be your best friend at work.
0: That's that's awesome. And and how when did you guys get started with the business officially? When when was the launch?
1: Okay, um, well, technically, (laughs) we've had lots of pivots, but our private closed beta was launched in january 2019 and so we literally developed the mvp in two weeks the boys like are just so talented and from that mvp we were able to get our first paying customer that being said that kind of progress didn't happen overnight we moved fast because we like failed a lot and we learned a lot and so before that we didn't pivot to remote teams until october 2019 and then previous to that i joined in may of 2019 sid has been working on some sort of mix of workplace psychology insights and like trying to apply that to enterprise since September, since yeah, September of 2018. Um, Yeah. For context, by the way, if you're just joining my co we're all students at UCLA, technically not all. I just graduated last month. Um, And so that's how I met my co-founders and we're working on psych insights remote work right now.
0: Uh, and thank you so much for for that. I, I think you, you you made a reference to this earlier in the conversation, and this it really interests me about everyone that I'm interviewing. Yeah. And it's the fact that at some point in in the journey, you doubt yourself. Oh,
1: at yeah. some point <laughs> in the
0: journey, someone says something, and uh, you know I can tell you uh, I've been doing this for for a few uh, I, I'd say a decade and a half now, and. Um, it doesn't fully go away
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you always have to learn to get some tools, not to fight that, but to cope with the reality that people doubt others mm-hmm. <laughs> and, that, and, and that's something that always happens. So in, in, your, in your current experience, what, what could you tell those that are listening in terms of you know, when you're doubting yourself, when you hear voices of doubt, uh, what do you say to yourself? How, how do you cope with that?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think it's a really important one because first off, no matter how successful you see like other people, whether it be on LinkedIn or just like walking by on the street, they also doubt themselves. They doubt their abilities and they doubt whether they can achieve what they are striving to achieve. Because just because you're at the top doesn't mean that you're like that The journey ends, you're constantly climbing. And so I think that's just, first off, it comes from within. And so knowing that My parents used to always repeat to me, you are strong, powerful, and confident. Um, At first, I thought it was just a string of three words. But as a little girl, I think it's really important to have that not only told to you, but to repeat it to yourself. Because truly, from within, if you believe that you're strong, powerful, and confident, nothing, not even your own self-doubts can knock you down. Um, Second, I think it does come looking to people and making sure that you're not the smartest person in the room, that it's good that you don't know things and just looking to your teammates or people that you look up to, mentors, it's incredibly important to be able to admit to them, I am feeling self-doubt and they usually, at least my psych boys do, they immediately are like, why are you doubting yourself? You're amazing. And sometimes you just need those little reminders. It's not fishing for compliments. It's just sometimes you lose your footing and you just need somebody to help pull you back up. And so, looking to your family, looking to your friends, and just being vulnerable and really addressing self doubt face like head on, I say, is the best way to really overcome it. And not only interior, but also looking outside as well. Um, And you remind us
0: what those three were strong, powerful, and confident. Yeah. My
1: parents have always told me, like, don't forget, you're strong, powerful, and confident. And hell yeah, I am.
0: That's great. That's great. Strong, powerful, and confident. Uh, I, I think I'm going to try to remember that one.
1: (laughs) Strong, powerful,
0: and confident. I'm gonna tell it to my son, uh, my two children. Uh, But but that's great. Um, I I think I think you are right. Uh, A big part of of, of this is to remind yourself of like what you've done, like the place where you have been. And sometimes, um, maybe for some of the ones that are watching, you've been in a place that for too long has dragged you down. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, one of the things that I learned, uh, and I don't remember who the entrepreneur is, so I'm not gonna quote anyone. But it said, um, you have to be at a place where your where the values and mission and vision of that place align Definitely. with your values, mission, ambition. And Definitely. that's why I found very interesting what you were mentioning about, you know, culture. Uh, what would you recommend to people that are today working perhaps in a remote company or a non-remote company, um, if they don't feel completely comfortable? Mm. Um, is it about, like, what what should they think about before they make a Drastic. Because sometimes you make a decision, and you're like, "Okay, I'm gonna leave." But it might not be that you're not a good fit. It might be that there are other considerations. What would you uh, recommend they do uh, if they're in that position?
1: Um, I will admit that I've only worked remotely for a year, and I'm still 20 years old. So please take my advice with a huge grain of salt. Um, I would say though that if you have somebody that you are close with at the company, and that you can have a heart to heart with, and kind of just open up and be like address these concerns. I think it would clear up a lot and really make it see, like make it clear whether, is it me, is it just me that's feeling this? Is it something that's more systemic and something that goes deeper into culture? Is it something that I could address with my manager and that I could recommend different things like, hey, this isn't working for my particular work style. Um, just figure out who you can talk to and who you can open up to. And then from there, figure out a plan. So if it unfortunately is the company, maybe it's not the right fit. Maybe like everybody grows. Um, and unfortunately not everything grows with us, but if it is the right company and they are willing to make the change and they are willing to fight for you, then I don't think opening up to your manager would be harmful. If anything, I think it would be incredibly helpful to really change things, not only for you, but for everybody else.
0: Right. And I, and I want to ask you about, uh, your second, uh, Instagram, uh, Uh, (laughs) uh, what is what is going on with korean food and travel stories uh what what is going on there
1: oh my gosh you guys dug deep um so essentially i have had the great pleasure of doing two study abroads just because the english program at ucla has these tiny like summer study travel programs where over the summer i traveled to florence in the summer between i think 2018 and 2019 and then as of last summer i traveled to london and in both those like opportunities i was able to get 10 units of upper div english credit i mean the english major if you've ever doubted english majors we know how to live apparently and essentially i it's just been incredible i studied william blake when uh in london and i was able to study like marble sculpture and english american sorry american expatriate literature while getting my units and while eating amazing great food and so i just thought that like I have these memories. Um, I didn't realize with COVID it would completely shut out travel. So in retrospect, it's very good that I took a bunch of pictures because now I can really tame that wanderlust. But I think like just being able to capture those memories and to be able to realize like, hey, this is what I value and this is like what I had a lot of fun doing and never forgetting those experiences are really important. And I think what I love about remote work and what I'm really excited for is as I continue to grow in this space, the like digital nomads are a complete thing. They pride themselves in traveling. So to be in a community and in a culture and work in a place where travel is prioritized just sounds amazing.
0: And I think it's amazing. Yesterday we were talking to uh, Matilde and Miguel from Portugal. And so they're a couple and they became digital nomads about a decade ago. Wow. And um, they've traveled all around the world and their Crazy. first experience was in India wow. and I was thinking about it because you are right I mean once everything is over and we all hope that it's over soon. Um, people would have to take some decisions and some people would say, you know what, I'm going to travel the hell out of myself <laughs> or yeah. I'm going to become a digital nomad and then, you know, try to work from different places and get to know those places. Um, and I also think there is a consideration for, um, you know, um, environmental action and activism. And yeah. some people might want to say, you know what, I'm going to stay local or I'm going to travel local. Mm-hmm. And and it, it got me thinking um, because, when when we talk about traveling, I think it there is no point in traveling just to travel. The point is to explore and to get to know and to find that like inner self drive that takes you to do different things. Different. And and I see in you that you you have that inner drive and that you have those you know strong, powerful, confident uh, words that always keep you going in there. Um, in, in the way in which you're thinking uh, this is going to evolve for you guys at Psyche Insights, and I hope you, you are thinking, okay, this is going to go huge. This is going to be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. um, what sort of team members are you looking for? What sort of people you think could work with you guys?
1: Definitely. I think right now we're, we haven't really thought that far just because we're trying to keep it as lean as possible. Um, we're all working from our like childhood homes, essentially, um, distributed, of course, in remote But we're trying to keep it super lean and trying to really lower the amount of costs and stuff when it comes to people that we we already have um some people in mind where we know that the people would need to share our common values of transparency of trust of wanting to help people essentially and wanting to help make remote teams more enjoyable and more fulfilling so from a value perspective that's really what we're looking for from a skills perspective we do need we admit that we do need people who have management experience who aren't just 19 and 20 and who can like help us really turn this business into like a thriving business and so that's probably who we would be looking for for people generally um but not just yet i think we're still trying to like grow and really um yeah really trying to like make sure we have our footing in place um we're scheduling a lot of really exciting things to come down the product pipeline and such. Right now we're still in our closed private beta, um, but I would definitely like come reach out if you guys are interested in trying it because we're right now we're just looking for feedback. And so the more feedback we get, the faster we grow.
0: Uh, and, and thank you so much for the invitation. I think everyone who is listening right now, the reason why I ask this is because I I do know that uh, the journey to finding fulfilling work is not an easy one. Well, uh, sometimes it takes it takes time, it takes different tries, and then if you're seeing something in psych insights that you think it's it's interesting, mm-hmm. uh, helping companies lead with empathy, especially the remote teams. Uh, you know, follow them, uh, try to see what they are doing. Where Where do you think we can, we can find more information? Your website, um, you know, socials, where, where can we find more?
1: Uh, definitely our website. So psychinsights.com. You can also find probably the most up-to-date on either our LinkedIn company page or our Twitter. Um, that's usually what I'm maintaining the most. Uh, but yeah, if you're curious to learn more, just visit our website, psychinsights.com, and you'll be able to find Exactly what our technology does, how it works, how we're using big five uh the big five factor model in order to in workplace psychology to drive these worksite site insights and everything um, and yeah, if you're ever curious, also feel free to like reach out. I don't bite um, <laughs> i can I could probably leave my email somewhere. I'm not exactly sure. I see this as a Zoom call, so I'm not exactly sure where to leave yeah, it, but that, I'd be happy to leave
0: no, it. No worries. We could put it We could put it in the <laughs> comments or, uh, you know, people can, of course, find you, Corinne Tan, uh, on LinkedIn. Yes. And, and I want to ask you one last thing that probably we could use uh, also. Um, what would be your um, uh, advice and what would you tell, um, you know, young entrepreneurs? Uh, we have members of our audience that are in Nigeria, South Africa, uh, China, um, a lot of places in South America. And some of them, uh, their questions are always about like, it is really hard to get started. What would be your recommendation for them? Looking at you being 20 years old already, uh, being an entrepreneur and trying it out there, what would be your recommendation?
1: I think the biggest recommendation is to take it with a learner's mentality, Your age, however young you are, is not a hindrance. If anything, it gives you an edge because you accept the fact that you don't know everything and you accept the fact that somebody knows more than you. Um, When it comes to entrepreneurship, what we always learn about is trying to get your value props to match up with your customers. And the only way you do that is by interviewing, by talking, and by trying to talk to as many customers as you possibly can. And so literally anybody can do that with today's technology As a student, you have an advantage because adults want to talk to you. They want to help you. They don't really like messages, random messages from other adults. And so take advantage of that and really use that to like make that your edge and really just learn about your customer base. Learn about what do they need? Why do they need it? What are they going through? What are their pain points and how can you best solve those problems? And the closer you stick to your customers, the more successful you'll be.
0: Well, thank you so much, uh, uh, Corinne. Um, And thank you everyone who has joined us today. Everyone who is watching over Facebook, those that will watch it on YouTube, those that will listen uh, to either the snippets or uh, the podcast. Thank you so much, uh, for, you so much for your time. Me. And once again, Corinne Tan from Psych PsychInsights, psychinsights.com. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, Corinne.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun.
0: All right. Thank you, everyone, and see you on Monday uh, once again with the Fulfilling Work Life uh, Daily Show. Talk to you. Bye.
1: Awesome. Have a good one.
0: Thank you for listening, and remember to share, like, and comment if this content brought value to your life. You can find us on social media as we Are Torre. Explore more content at blog.torre.co. See you around.